If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. I think some of them already went out, um, but if more are here, we'll take them over. Galatians chapter 5. Awesome. We're going to be doing some, just so you know, we're going to be doing some restructuring um, of both our children's department and our uh, nurseries. And so we're going to be doing some new things as this building comes online out here, back here. We have some new things that we can do. And so we'll be telling you a little bit more about that, some exciting stuff. I was actually out at Bethel this past weekend, and I had about a two-hour conversation with their children's pastor there, who's written all of the curriculum out there for Bethel Church, uh, their children's department, and co-wrote the book, Here Comes Heaven, for kids with Bill Johnson. And he has offered all of his resources and help and services to us. And so I'm going to be telling you a little bit more about that. We're going to have some different leadership um, that I'll be telling you a little bit more about and introducing you to. And so there's going to be some stuff that's coming up that's exciting. Nobody's getting fired. Okay, nobody's like, we didn't send anybody up the road. That's leadership in the children's department. But there's going to be some stuff and changes up the road. And uh, in the next about two to three weeks, we'll be talking about that. And it'll be a great opportunity for you to invite some families with, fr- families with children um, back to what we're doing here and encourage them to be a part of this new change because it's going to be great. All right, Galatians 5, we're going to be reading um, verses 1 through 12, starting in verse 1. And I want to kind of talk to you about a subject that um, I've talked to you to before, but I want to come at it from a little bit of a different angle tonight. Um, and I want to specifically talk about the freedom that God's given us to uniquely be us. Um, one of the, kind of give you the backstory on my own life, one of the pressures, if you've hung around me in a social setting for too long, you'll realize that I'm a little bit much to handle, okay? Uh, putting it lightly or mildly. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit nutty. Like, you know, in church, I'm still myself and I tell jokes and I'm hopefully outgoing enough that you can see that, but... And when we get around close friends, I cut loose, and I am a borderline idiot, okay? Can we just get that? But, 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 but totally within, you know, totally within not anything that offends the Holy Spirit or not anything that, that uh, at the end of the night I'm going, I think the Lord's upset with me. You know, I want to give you some help tonight. I want to give you permission, if you will, or freedom to be yourself, how many, of you ever, how many of you would be honest with me and say that there's been a time in, in a church setting or religious setting, whether it was where you grew up or maybe it was here or wherever else, where you felt the pressure to be something different than yourself? Everybody should have their hand raised, otherwise you haven't listened to a word anyone said, okay? Because in church and in religion, we oftentimes think that, that when we read the Bible or we read the instructions from the Bible, that we, it strips our personality away from us. So when I was a kid, when I would cut up, my mom would take the scripture that talked about coarse jesting, and she would beat me over the head with it. She'd say, you're, you're coarse. She's, she didn't do anything wrong. It's what she knew. It's what she understood. There was, there's all sorts of scriptures we use in the Bible to keep people, quote, unquote, in line. Now, now the delineation I'm going to make tonight is there are certain principles in the word of God that are there for our protection, that, that when we do them or we violate them, then it leads to destruction or difficult times or penalties and consequences in our life. How many of you know that if you go out and get drunk and drive and you get a DUI, there's consequences with that DUI? Are you with me tonight? And so there are natural consequences to things that we do that are wrong. But there are things in our life that are totally permissible by God 
whether it's just just having a, a you know a, a, a just kind of a uh, you know, interesting sense of humor or being quick-witted or being introverted or extroverted or, or whatever the things and personalities we make up or you get with your friends or your, your, you get with your family and you just, you, you know that feeling you get when you get a chance to be uniquely yourself in the moment. How many of you ever reconnected with friends and all of a sudden you find yourself like, oh my gosh, I haven't had a chance to really be me in a long time. And see, actually, the Word of God gives us permission, and the Word of God actually gives us, uh, uh, commands us to, if you will, to really uniquely be ourselves. And I was thinking about this. When we were teaching, um, when we had the School of Prophecy, one of the things we talked about at the end, if you remember, Laura, was the idea of we don't want to create more robots or exact replicas of David Wagner, who was teaching the school, or Isabel Alam, who came in to teach at the end, we said, we want you to carry the heart of what they have, but we want you to be you. And so tonight, I want to tell you that you're allowed to be you. And that God actually, why would God uniquely design each and every one of us, give us different personalities, give us different senses of humor, give us different emotions, give us different ways to, to process with things in life? Why would God give us such unique characteristics, but at the end of the day, want us all to be the same? And so what I've begun to discover is that oftentimes it is, the, it is the misinterpretation of the relationship between law and grace that often is the box, if you will, or the constraints that is put on people's life. When Paul talked about law and grace in Galatians, what we're getting ready to read, he was speaking to believers. He was speaking to the church. He was speaking to people who had received Jesus. And he was saying there's some things that you have gotten wrong about how God wants you to live your life in relationship to the law and grace. Now, if you don't like what I'm saying tonight, don't be mad at me. Be bad at Paul. And if you believe that Paul's writings were inspired by God, be mad at God. All right? Don't be mad at me because I'm not going to misinterpret this. I'm just going to read you what it says, starting in verse 1. It says this, it says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. As oftentimes I find that we try to explain why we're free. But the explanation is, is for freedom. Right? Right? See, in other words, if you try to describe why God did something and blame it on some other emotion or decision of his, then you won't realize that God actually values the idea of us being free. He said, Paul says, listen, it's for freedom that God set you free as believers. He's not talking to people who are getting ready to receive salvation. He's talking to believers. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Now, what is this yoke of slavery? The answer you're going to hear in church is what? Say it louder. That's the right answer. But what's the other answer? Sin. See, we stop reading here and we say, now, guys, if you pay attention tonight, you're going to get, you're going to get set free in your life. 
There's a couple people that are looking off to the side. Listen to me. This is, this is a message that's going to set you free. Because what you've always been told is that it is the yoke of sin. It is the bondage of sin as a believer that's going to keep you from standing firm and being free. I know people are like, oh, no, he's doing it again. Yes, I am, because I want you to be free. I want you to be free tonight. It's actually different. If we go to verse 2, we see that it says, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Let's talk about what circumcision is. Now, I'm not going to give you a demonstration. Okay? Or an illustration. Circumcision was the cutting away of flesh on a boy at the age of eight days old. And the circumcision was something that was commanded by the law. Anytime Paul says this to the Galatians, he's talking about the law. For those of you in the room that don't know what the law is, it was the commandments that were given to Moses and God's people that said, this is how you're supposed to live your life. And from the law, we have derived, if you will, our moral code as Christians, right? Even the world has taken a lot of the law and said, you know, this is moral and this is, this is right and this is wrong. And so the law was given to the people to keep the people from destroying their own lives. The law was given to the people as a guideline for how they should live their lives. But something happened because, because the law was such a standard. There was so many rules for them to obey and to follow in their life and the law was so difficult as a standard that every single day, every single one of them was violating some part of the law. And so they were always falling short. But the problem is, and this is basic stuff, but if you don't understand it, I want you to understand it tonight because it's essential to what I'm talking about. And because they were falling short of the law, there had, there had to, something had to happen. And what we know today is what happened is Jesus came to pay the penalty for them breaking the law. And the Bible says that he fulfilled the law and he brought with him this thing that we now call grace. Mercy and grace, but I preached on that a couple weeks ago. Are we with, you with me tonight? And so it says, it says Behold, I say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. So it says, it's saying this, it says, if you want to live according to the law, Christ is of no benefit to you. ¿Qué pasa? ¿Qué estás haciendo, chica? Huh? He's saying, if you live according to the law, Christ is of benefit to you. And, and Paul kind of pre presents this hypothetical situation. And then in verse 3, you see this. It says, and I testify again to every man, in verse 3, who receives circumcision, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. So he's saying, if you want, see, see what, was, what was happening is the people in the church, they were taking the law and they thought it was a buffet. So they would come up to the buffet table of the law and they would apply the law in circum circumstances when it benefited them. They would ap apply the law to, if there was somebody in the community they didn't like, they would apply the law to get them in trouble. But they wouldn't allow the entire law to be applied to themselves. And what he was saying here is he says, I'm telling you that if you, if you want to live according to the law, then you have to live according to the whole law. 
And so this idea of going up to the buffet table and just taking out what things you like and leaving what you don't, God's kind of taking that off and he's saying, listen, if you take one thing, you've got to take it all. In Galatians 3.10, it's not up there, but don't worry. It says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. In James 2, 10 and 11, it says, For whoever keeps the whole law and offends in one point, he is guilty of it all. For he said, do not commit adultery. Also, he said, do not kill. Now, if you do commit adultery, if you do not commit adultery, but you do kill, then you've become a transgressor of the law. He's saying, listen, you can take everything you want. If you mess up one time on one of these laws... Now, he picked some pretty big ones, adultery and, like, murder. But there was things like, don't eat pork. Can't eat from an animal that, what is it, has cloven hoof. There's things like that. There was things pertaining to what kind of sexual interaction you can have with your wife or your husband. There was all sorts of things in the law that were being violated on a regular basis. And he's saying to them, if you want it, you got to take it all. And it all applies to you. I don't know about you, but I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. God's law is not a buffet. We don't just take what we want. More, more scripture, because really, everything inside of us, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've been under the religious control of things, Everything inside of you wants to say, oh, there has to be a way around this. And there isn't. Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Romans 6, 15. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. This is the part that everybody gets all flipped out about. They say if you preach grace, people are going to want to sin. I'm going to show you how that's not true. Okay? Actually, it's the law that will cause you to stay in slavery. I've never seen somebody that understood and had a revelation of grace that was enslaved in their walk with Christ. Never. It's always people that are desperately trying to keep the law and failing. Galatians 5.18, but if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, there's this concept that we're presented with, I'm going to hit at the end of this message tonight, where it says you cannot have the Spirit of God and also live according to the law. Are you with me tonight? You see what that means for us? You cannot have the Spirit of God and also have, live under the law. It says if you are of the Spirit, you are not under the law. The choice today is not just between grace and the law. The choice is between do you want the Spirit of God working on your behalf, or do you want the law? You can't have both. Are you with me? That's, that's how serious the question is. Do you want to know why you walk into 99% of churches around the world, and it feels like at any minute someone's going to blow their brains out because they're so <laughs> depressed? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking with you. I'm not saying Harvest is special. There's plenty of great churches but more churches than not, you walk into them and you're like, these people aren't happy. It's because the Spirit of God's not inside of them because the Spirit of God cannot coexist with the law. 
Can I give you a little magic trick demonstration here? Show what that looks like. I'm going in my pockets. Can't show you the trick, okay? Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my phone here. I'm going to take my phone here. I'm going to get the Spirit of God for a moment. And continue, and since we all know that the Spirit of God must come from the phone. <laughs> I want to show you this, and I need someone to help me. Daniel, will you help me? Are you sure you can handle this? I should have got a girl because I'm picking the color pink. But that's all right. All right? So, Daniel, you come hold this up so everybody can see it for me. Oh, let me get my brightness up. Uh, now, Daniel, if you tell them what my trick is, you're in trouble, okay? So just hold that up for him. And if you can see that there for a second, do you see that? That's going to represent the Holy Spirit like light. You all see that for a second? So here's the Holy Spirit. Show it everybody, the Holy Spirit, for me. You see that, guys? The Holy Spirit right there? See him? I know, it's the phone. It's Apple. They're messed up. Okay, I'm just going to take the Holy Spirit for a moment, okay, if I can. I'm going to take it off the screen. You ready for this little magic trick? There it is. I got it right there. You see it? Now, hold on a second. Just relax. It's not magic. I'll tell you about it later. Okay, here's the Holy Spirit with us. So I'm going to put it back on the phone for a moment, okay? You see it right there? It's there. You guys see it? Okay. So the light's going to represent the Holy Spirit tonight. Let me get it again, okay? Oh, come on. It doesn't want to come sometime. There it is. It's a little bit of a stubborn Holy Spirit. So this, this is the Spirit of God, okay? And I'm going to take the Spirit of God, and I'm just going to put it inside of me, okay? So now I've got the Spirit of God living on the inside, all right? Sometimes I speak the Spirit of God out, and it's here, okay? Sometimes I put it over here, and it's fine, all right? So if I've got the Spirit of God living inside of me, as soon as I decide I want to judge somebody else with the law, as soon as I want to apply the law to my own life, as soon as I'm the one to say, wait a second, one about her, this is what happens. The Holy Spirit goes just like this. And it's just hanging here, just like that. You guys think it's just something special with these fingers, don't you? I'll switch it to this. Okay, hold this so they can see this. Hold my mic. Ready? We'll just switch it over here. You got it over there, right? All right, so we got it here. Well, I'll pass it through my head because you guys don't believe this, all right? The Holy Spirit's just like this. See? As soon as, as soon as, can I put it back on the phone because it's getting a little hot? Is that all right? Okay. There you go. It's back. All right? As soon as, as soon as, as soon as I decide, as soon as I decide that the law is what I want to live by or the law is what I want to judge people by, the Holy Spirit is, cannot live inside of me. And the Bible sent the Spirit of God, not just, the Bible sent the Spirit of God, not just to comfort us, but to also to work on our behalf. So all of the work that God wants to do on your behalf through his Spirit cannot happen as long as we live according to the law. And if we're living, if, if, we, if we decide that one part of the law is what we want to judge by, 
the Bible says that we're under the whole law. And the whole law will be what we're judged by. This is what Paul's saying to Galatians. Now, Paul's hardcore. Paul, like, gets in your face in some of these stories. Paul is no mamby-pamby, you know, like granola-crunching, Northern California hippie hiking up the mountain. Okay? Paul's hardcore. Paul probably gives the toughest and most difficult instructions and commands that you'll ever find in the Word of God. They're tough. And yet Paul's the one that is saying to the church of Galatians, if you want, if you want to, if you want to, just apply it one time, then, then the entire law is going to be applied to you. And then we find out as we go down in Galatians 5.18, but if you be led of the Spirit, then you are under, if you, if you be led of the Spirit, then you're not under the law. Are you getting at something out of this tonight? The idea is this. I'm going to read this to you word for word because I don't want to mess it up. The idea is that the Galatian Christian, by putting themselves under the law, have put themselves in a place where they have ceased to be in relationship to Christ. Where they could derive the spiritual benefits from him, which would enable them to live a life pleasing to him, namely through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thus Christ has no more effect upon them in the living of their Christian life. See, this isn't just a matter of theological differences. Recently, I had some people come talk to me about how far I've gone with the message of grace. And I sat down with them and I said, show me where I've gone wrong. And they told me a lot of things that people told them, but they couldn't show me in the word of God. I said, show me right here where I've gone wrong. So you cannot read the New Testament and not come to the same conclusion if you're being honest. But we like our boxes. We like to be contained in a box. And we like to control other people. And we think by telling them that they're allowed to be themselves and be free, we think, we think that we're giving them license to live a life of debauchery and sin. Let me show you some stuff here. In verse 7, in verse 7, if you can put it up there, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He compares it to a runner that is on course, understanding exactly who God is, understanding the message of grace in their life, and something begins to hinder them and pull them back. It's legalism. It's the law that begins to hinder them like a weight where they're not able to actually achieve and reach their destination. Have you ever felt like religion was a weight on your shoulder that didn't help you but held you back from reaching what you felt like was God's purpose in your life? Verse 8 says, This persuasion did not come from who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. For I have confidence in you and the Lord that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. He's talking about the, uh, the accuser. He's talking about an accuser that would bring legalism to hold you back from understanding the full measure of grace in God. Now, if you don't think these exist, just go on Facebook and see some responses from people. If you don't think these exist, just turn to a Christian channel and watch some of the messages that are being preached. 
there's so much of this that's talked about in verse 8 through 10 that exists today that are holding the body of Christ back from understanding the full, message, full measure of God's grace. Verse 11 says this, But I, brethren, I, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In other words, he's saying, you're saying I'm being persecuted because I'm no longer applying and living according to the law. I've received the message of grace. But if that's true, then why am I still being persecuted? And then in verse 12, he says, oh, sorry, then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. For Verse 12, I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. You don't hear that scripture very often. Paul says, listen, whoever is twisting your mind to keep you from understanding God's grace poured out to you, his forgiveness upon you, and what, what's been done on your behalf, they make me so angry, I wish they would just mutilate themselves. If you don't think God hates when Christians are laboring under the law, this should remove you the doubt. This is true, Dan. You are speaking the truth. Good job. This is so good. Come on now, brother. Preach that thing. See, this is what people don't understand. If the Spirit of God exists inside of you, the law cannot be there. And if the law is there, the Spirit of God cannot be there. But here's, here's where, this is where we miss out. So people say this. They say, well, then, how are people going to know to live right? Well, since the law leads to death, and that's your alternative, I think anything's better than that. Let's start just being logical. But this is what people don't understand. The inner restraint of the Holy Spirit is more effective than the outer restraint of the Old Testament law. You see, the law affects the outside. There's a story that if you read it, that the Pharisees were, were cleaning the outside of a container. But on the inside were, the, were, were literally the bones of dead men. They were cleaning up the outside so that the appearance on the outside was beautiful. But inside were the rotting bones of a dead man. Folks, the church in America is full of people that think on Sunday morning we clean up the outside. Even though I'm dying on the inside, I don't feel the Spirit of God inside of me. I have no hope for tomorrow. I'm living and laboring under the burden of the law. Full of it. And we wonder why in the United States and around the world, Christians are not known for their joy but they're known for how cranky and angry and bitter they are. God's given us the template. God's given us the instructions. God's given us the way. He sent his son to prepare a way to where we didn't have to live and and operate under that burden. And he realized this. As long as it was about the outside appearance, make sure you don't violate the law. Don't do it. Don't do it. This. And there was nothing inside of you telling you not to do it. There was nothing inside of you that was, was speaking to your, your innermost being and saying, God didn't create you to be a drug addict. God didn't create you to cheat at work. God didn't create you to violate the law. God didn't create you to, to be an adulterer. God didn't create you to do these things. As long as there was nothing on the inside saying that, it didn't matter what the outside pressure was because all you were doing was white-knuckling it. 
And it always led to death and destruction and shame and depression and never feeling like we added up. And the Spirit of God is nowhere near it because it can't coexist with that mindset. And so on the inside of us, we have this thing that's going on and we don't feel God's presence, we don't feel the Spirit, but the minute you get a revelation of the law, the Spirit of God, which is floating out here going, hey, I want to be there, I want to coincide with you, I want to I comfort you, I want to work on your behalf, but you've got to get rid of the way that you're thinking. You've got to get rid of the way you think God moves. I want to fill you up again. I want you to feel my heartbeat. I want you to know who God is. I want you to have a revelation of Jesus and his love for you. But as long as you want to apply the law to your life and those around you, I can't coexist with that. Does this mean you're not saved? No. He's speaking to believers at least nine times. In Galatians, in this chapter, he says, brethren. He's talking to believers. He's saying to Christians, why are you living this way? Because God's given you the freedom through his grace to be who you've been created to be. I want to tell you, if you consider me your pastor, awesome. Hope that you do if you come to church here. I want to tell you as your pastor, you have the freedom to be you. And you have the freedom to receive the Spirit of God inside of you. And you're going to write our next blog post. You have the freedom to be yourself, and you have the freedom to receive the Spirit of God inside of you. And you have the freedom to allow the Spirit of God to begin to shape and to mold how you respond to the world around you. I have so much faith in the infilling of the Spirit of God inside of each one of you that I don't have to preach the law because I understand that when you get the Spirit of God inside of you, that it is the, that is that internal desire to please the Savior of the universe that died for you that will cause you to live a life that is worthy of his name. It is that that will cause you to live a life that is, a life that is right. The law, <laughs> the law tells you what to do, but it has no power. Did you know that tonight? The law has no power, and it has no power to change you. I'm telling you right now, I would get thrown out of a lot of churches just by saying that, even though the word of God says it. It actually says that it's of no effect, which means it has no power. The law has no power. And we have done every, we've written songs to support it. We've done everything we could to get the law to carry power with it so we could control man. And Jesus says, I don't care how you dress it up. I don't care what, you, what kind of lipstick you put on it. At the end of the day, that thing is ugly and it is death and it is of no effect and it has no power. And my spirit cannot coincide and coexist with it. I might just preach part two of this on Sunday if y'all can handle it. I'm going to leave you with this thought. It's only 8.11 and we'll let you go. It says, to abandon grace for the law is to abandon the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I have literally watched people 
abandon the full measure of grace in their life and run back to the comfort of the law and watch their life go. And they moved to Florida, that's right. Actually, they moved to Venice. I live in Venice. The joke goes like this. You know that the oldest people in America live in, live in Sarasota, but their grandparents live in Venice, all right? That's the joke. In all seriousness, let's be serious for a moment. We got some cranky people. I went in the grocery store one day, had my daughter with me. She's 10 and as well-behaved as a 10-year-old you could find. Never, never an issue, never a problem. Her and me are shopping, and I walk into a Publix. Now, this wasn't like Saks Fifth Avenue. This is Publix, where shopping is supposed to be a pleasure. <laughs> and, and the people, not the workers, but the people that live down near me in Venice, they literally looked at me like, what are you doing here? Like, you know, they like cut you off with their buggies and it's like, you have nowhere to go. Why are you doing that? You know, or they come up to you and you're in line. They're like, and they probably go to the Presbyterian church down the road. I'm not, they all go to church and they're in line. They got their buggy and they're like, are you in line? And I'm like, I look back and I'm like, yeah, you're behind me. Like, yeah. Could you scoot up? They're, the person in front of me is getting checked out, so I don't, I don't know what an extra foot's going to give you back there. I mean, are you afraid there's a run on, like, the BOGO that's on the end cap, or what's the problem, you know? But, you know, when we come to church, it's supposed to look different. We're supposed to be full of joy. We're supposed to be full of the Spirit of God. We're supposed to be full of love. And oftentimes, it's not the case. Because as long as the law is how you're trying to live your life and the way you apply it to the world around you. The Spirit of God, which brings those things, love, joy, and peace, and all of the fruits of the Spirit, is not in us. We went to a camp. Um, Lainey and I took her up to a camp for a couple of days um, during the week, uh, a couple weeks back, to a kid's camp. And it was another denomination that I won't mention because I shouldn't have said Presbyterian earlier. I apologize. My mom was Presbyterian. Presbyterians, forgive me. All right. <laughs> it was another denomination, and we went to the camp, and the people working at a kid's camp were the meanest human beings I've ever met. You're at a kid's camp. Okay? This is your career. Just, just receive it and come to grips with it and either leave or, or rock your job. You know what I mean? Like, and David Wagner and I were there, and David said, man, that woman was so mean. We arrived. We arrived at uh, like 2.50. We arrived at 2.50 p.m. There was like 150 kids. No, 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 like 50 kids and about 30 adults, like 80 of us. We arrived to these like dorms that are kind of like hotels, but not quite as nice. And we arrived there, and the lady comes out like that's responsible for getting us checked in. She's like, you're not supposed to be here till three. And me, because I'm a smart aleck, remember the beginning of this message? I go, welcome to Camp Kalakwa, kids. <laughs> it was not like, so great to have you. God's going to change your life at this Christian camp. You're not supposed to be here till three. I'm like, well, it's 2.50. Welcome to camp. <laughs> 
when David said this to me, I said, I said it, one by one by one, every employee is like, eh, you know, like, I was getting scared. And uh, I said, David, what's the problem? And he said, there's no joy because they, have, they don't have the Spirit of God. They're trying to live this Christian life void of the Spirit of God. And see, what we think is, what we think is, we think somehow that, that that's going to allow them to, to live their life and be who God's created them to be. And the exact opposite is true. They just become one miserable r- robot after another. Not unique. When God's saying, I want to put my spirit inside of you so that A, you can be yourself. B, you can find comfort in times of difficulty. C, I can work on your behalf. And D, there'll be something inside of you that, that, that checks your spirit. That if you've ever had the Holy Spirit inside of you go, hey, don't do that. You'll know what I'm talking about. It's a much stronger voice than anything that comes from the outside. My parents told me to do all sorts of things. As soon as they did it, I put it on my list and went and did it. But man, when I was filled with the Spirit of God, I remember one time, I'm not going to go into the details of it, but I remember I was about maybe 18 or 19, and I decided I was going to do something that I knew was absolutely wrong, and I was on my way to do it. I mean, I was like driving there, and I felt so sick to my stomach that I thought I was going to throw up. Not because I was afraid of getting caught, but the Spirit of God inside of me said, son, don't do this. This isn't who you are. 